welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on our two League Cup group games and to look ahead to the Fall Cup game on Saturday, Rhys Aldane. Rhys, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, guys. Um, really look forward to getting dis- discussing the, the events of the past week and it's good to have the Jags back and competitive action anyway. Jamie McDonald's here. Jamie, are you well? Yeah, I'm good as well. It's always great to get our victory and a good one as well. We're at a tough place, so hi, I'm good. And joining us for the, the first little bit of the podcast, James Kearney. James, how are you? Are you well? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Can't complain. Like Three points for the Jags. Uh, looking good going into the last couple of games of the group stages. Aye, uh, life's pretty good. Good stuff. James, I know you're going to be substituted out in, in five or ten minutes, but we've got you on just to talk about uh, what it's been like covering Thistle over the summer and the sort of mood in the press conferences in the last couple of weeks. It's it's not really been a, a busy summer, a, a quiet summer, sorry, I should say, for you, even with no action on the field, you've had plenty to report off it. How's it been for you? Yeah, I mean, it's like you say, I mean, there's never really a, a dull moment at Thistle. I think um, between the finance stuff coming out, you know, players moving on, obviously a couple more coming in, and the fact that it's been a very short pre-season. To be honest, I'm quite glad for that from a journalist perspective, just because luckily I've actually had things to write about. Whereas I think there's been plenty of other journalists covering plenty of other clubs that this time of year can get very difficult because there's nothing happening. So uh, thankfully the, the the mighty Jags have kept me busy. So for that I'll be very grateful. But I know it's been, it's been a good summer. It's been like again it's it, it's been short, which helps. And like I say, like you say, either it's been fairly eventful, both in terms of the playing side of things and the other side of it as well. We'll talk about the playing side first. Uh, obviously, signings are a sort of hot topic. Everyone's looking for, for new signings. Just speaking to, to Doolin and speaking to others at the club, how close do you think signings are? Um, what's the sort of sense you get from Doolin in that regard? Yeah, it's hard to say because you know none of us know exactly how these negotiations tend to go. You know, We're not sat in on them. We don't know what it's like. But I mean, the, the general feeling I do get is that I mean, you talk to Dylan and then he says, you know, he's been working, you know, he's working, it feels like he's working constantly, but, you know, stuff's still taking a while. And I, I think my understanding of it is that in terms of striking deals with potential new players and things like that, I think that there have been a few, there, there are a few that are kind of lined up where the club have offered a deal, the player's happy with it. But then the thing, I think the thing that tends to be a sticking point, particularly this early on in the window, is agents and things like that where basically you know a deal might be agreed but then they might be saying to their client look give it another few weeks you know you might get a better offer from x y or z or you know this other team might come in for you they're they're sniffing about so maybe hold fire for now so i think it's just that stage of the window where because it is quite early on obviously we've got till the end of july at the end of august sorry so still good there's still a good chunk of it to go and i think that because of that there is just a lot of things up in the air and players are kind of waiting to see see what all their options are before making a decision which is fair enough you know I completely understand that you know I think, I think that's I, I think that's totally fair but I, I guess one, one of the things as well though that I think it's important to bear in mind is that you know this is Dylan's first window as a manager you know he's never had to go out and recruit players before he's never had to do all this you know the dealing agents and all the rest of it so I think that when, when you speak that I, I, I get you do get the impression that I think it's taken a wee bit longer than he would have expected himself, but I don't think there's much you can do at this stage. You know, like if you know if you've identified players and say you've offered them a deal and they're up for it, but they're wanting to wait around to see what else comes along, there's nothing you can do at that stage but just kind of bide your time because you know who you want and you know you're not going to go out and sign somebody who you're not sure about just because well they're saying yeah and the guy you really want's kind of dragging his heels a bit. I, I think I think it's all perfectly understandable stuff, and I think you know the fact that it is a novel experience for doing this transfer window and having to go and recruit players. That, that's probably a wee aspect to it as well. But I guess the, the upside of that is that, as we're seeing in the League Cup, you know, we're seeing um, guys Alexander McKenzie, Ben Stanley, James Lyon all getting a first-team chance. And that's kind of what the group stages of the League Cup are for, you know, in that it's relatively low stakes. Like, yes, they're competitive games, but, you know, so many teams are still a work in progress. So many teams are still trying to get their players, their squads finalised and all the rest of it. So... I think that there, there's always leeway there. I mean, we know as fans, you know, if they go well, we go, oh, brilliant, we're, we're ready for the league, you know, we're absolutely on fire. But if it doesn't go well, you go, ah, oh, well, it's only League Cup, you know, we'll be fine by the time the season starts. 
Have you noticed any change in Dylan's sort of persona or body language? Because he was quite bullish going into the, the playoffs off a good run last season. I remember he made a comment and it was, I think somebody asked him, hey, how do you feel going into the playoffs? Because nobody had finished fourth had, had gone up before and he said mm. something along the lines of, oh, well, why can't it be us? Do you still get the sense that he's he's bullish? Is he still as positive or is he a bit more cautious because we've lost players? What's the sort of, what sort of vibes has he given off? No, I think that um, yeah, I think he's still looking up, and I think the bar's still relatively high. You know, I think I, I don't think there's been much of a change in his demeanour um, or anything like that. I think that there's maybe been like particularly after the new, the finances news came out, I think there was maybe a slight tempering of expectations, and I think there's maybe been a little bit of that as well. Just with saying, maybe I asked him once about maybe like a week ago, I was asking about you know, okay, we've got these young guys who are in the squad at the moment, but you know, are they going to stay there because? Okay, this league up and Dunkster's tend to get minutes at this type stage of the season, but beyond that, when it comes to the actual regular season, obviously we've lost Kevin Hull, Ross Docherty, Scott Tiffany, all the rest of it, and the budget's gone down. So you know, are there are some of those holes in the squad going to have to be plugged by the academy? And his, his take on it was most likely, yeah, probably. You know, and I think that that's probably quite a subtle way of saying to fans, just like, look, it, it might not be quite the same as last season, just because we're taking established pros at the peak of their careers and you know some of those slots in the squad are going to get filled by guys who are teenagers and like yeah they're going to need time and yeah they're going to make the odd mistakes and they're not going to perform the same level of consistency that they would that their predecessors would but i think that one of the things that i find interesting is that you know you'll notice you've not seen any concrete targets set this season you know when you speak to uh and you say you know what was the end of the season is it you know Playoffs? Is it challenging for the title? Is it what you know? What what was the aspiration? And it's always quite he's always quite vague. But I think that's I think that's probably a good way to go about it because you're not imposing standards or limits on yourself. It's more just like we're just going to go out and we're going to play good football and we'll see how far that takes us. You know. So I, I think that I mean, I'm, I'm sure and house still have their own targets. And I'm sure like you know, for instance, reaching the playoffs is I would imagine must be one of them. But certainly in terms of like the public proclamations you're getting. It's a lot more kind of cards to the chest kind of thing, but there's yeah. still, but like, like 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 the way it was before the playoffs, there is still that set, that bit of sky is the limit. You know, why can't we go on and do brilliantly? Just lastly, James, you mentioned the all the off-field things that have been going on over the summer. I would just want to ask you, how do you cover that as a as a sports journalist? How different is that to covering football itself? And how do you read the situation now? It's obviously been a few weeks since the statements come out. I think they were they were in early June. Those statements come out about the finances. So how do you read the situation now? We're in middle of July. Uh, my understanding of it is that I think the response from fans has been probably more than what was hoped for or expected, both in terms of things like season ticket sales or plowing money into the club and also people joining up the Jags Foundation or upping their contribution there. So I, I think that it's certainly a month on from those statements or a month and a half, whatever it is, like there's been a lot of substantial progress and it's certainly, from what I understand, it's nowhere near as grave as it maybe was a month or two ago. But I, to be honest, when it comes to covering this kind of stuff, I, I mean, I'm not a finance journalist by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I'm not, this is not, that's not my wheelhouse. And despite all the fan ownership stuff, you know, reported on, companies and how they all act and trust law and all that kind of stuff like you know it's all new to me you know I've had to go out and try and try and figure out what well, hasn't going along you know um, so it has been I mean I, I'm much more comfortable just writing about a match or you know going to a press conference or doing, an, doing an interview and writing about that that's certainly much more of my speed but um, you know when, when stuff like this comes along obviously you've got, you, you know it's, it's a story and you're going to have to try, to try and figure out the nuts and bolts of it and cover it the best, you, best way you can so um, no, it's, it's it's always like you know, I think particularly over the last few years, a lot of stuff I've been writing about, not stuff that uh, is my expertise, and it's certainly not stuff that I thought I was going to be writing about with regards to fan ownership and all that. But um, it's it's been a good experience, you know. I guess it's uh, it's nice to try your hand, turn your hand to new things. But I'm certainly a lot more comfortable writing a match report or doing a, doing a follow up piece or whatever the rest of it is, you know. Well, I'm, I'm sure I speak for most, if, if not all, Thistle fans when I say your, your covering of it has been really good and clear and easy to understand. So from, from that point of view, you, it's not been as a, it's not felt from our point of view as if you've, you've known nothing about it. So, oh, uh, that's a relief. That's kind of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James, I know you need to head off. So thanks very much for joining us. We'll get you on soon again for a full episode. You're going to be substituted uh, off for David Forrester, a terrible substitution from the sort of Caldwell leader. Oh no, I think that's, that's, that's a good one. That's a match winner one, you know. That's 
Uh, David knows what he's doing. He's a much safer, uh, far more safe pair of hands. You know, <laughs> you know you're getting a David Forrest. You know he's a solid seven out of ten player, whereas I'm a bit of a maverick. You know. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting that big safe store, James. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> Thanks very much, James. Take care. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. And so rounded off our panel, David, you're, you're coming on here early, first half substitution. Uh, I hope you've you've warmed up properly. How are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm feeling, feeling a bit cold, to be honest. I'll need to sort of get into the game, find out the lay of the land quickly, because you, you need to get up to speed quickly. But no, I'm doing all right. Um, a great event on Monday, and yeah, it was just nice meeting everybody and stuff like that. And yeah, just a great weekend, to be honest, all together. I'm doing well. It was. We'll go on to Monday a little bit later on. We will start on Saturday with Peterhead. And David, I'll come to you first. You had a big weekend planned up in Peterhead. Tell me about it. Tell me about the Dolphin Cafe, most importantly. Oh, Dolphin Cafe, what a place. To the point where when we went to Peterhead afterwards, a um, friend of the show, Smurf, uh, was there. And he immediately asked me, how do you get to the Dolphin Cafe? Because he'd, he'd heard it recommended on the, on the pod and wanted to go. And he backed me up. He said it was really, really good as well. Um, double fill it had it absolute sensation um, I definitely recommend it in the next 15 years later in 2038 when we play Peterhead again um, definitely got to the Dolphin Cafe it was great it was a good it was a good day out <laughs> it's funny I remember when I was walking past some wee ball boy Peterhead Wayne whatever came up to me and he said to me how many chants do you guys have because he just kept singing and singing and singing and I was like too many we got way, got way too many chants I can't remember them all um, we were allowed and we took a good it's a long trip and yeah it was it was a good wee day out the game itself mm, mm, wasn't very good but um, no I really enjoyed my time in Peterhead the game very much being the low light of it but no it, it was a good wee uh, day out and yeah we'll, we'll talk more about the game as we go we will. This, the starting 11, we normally start with the starting 11 but we're about 13 minutes in I suppose the talking points well i Sneddon and goals, but Mitchell played on, on Tuesday there, so they're just splitting the games. Talking points, I suppose, Xander McKenzie at right back with Jack McMillan out and Ben Stanway getting a start in midfield. What did you make of the team when you saw it on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, the team was, to, team was really to be as expected. Um, I remember saying on the podcast last week when you guys mentioned uh, who do you think will partner Barrigan in midfield, I did think that, that Stanway would get the nod in there because it just out of him, Mackenzie and, and James Lyon, he seems to be the more combat of, of the three and he, he likes to get stuck in and he seems like a bit of a leader. Just when I, I watch him, he's, he's a good talker, he likes to sort of motivate the guys around him and I quite like those attributes um, and, a, and a bit of a dogged midfielder. So I thought he was brilliant and, and obviously Mackenzie's still deputising for Jack McMillan. Both of them were, were pretty solid on the day. I'd actually say was, uh, Ben Stanway was probably my man in the matchup, Peterhead. Uh, as for the rest of the starting eleven, it was fine. No really many many options in the team to sort of rotate things. You look at the bench that we had, there was only I think three youngsters that was giving me shades of the United uh, opening league game all those years ago. But I it was it was it is what it was. I mean, even some of the young boys, I think Rico Diak was still serving at under eighteen suspension and Salo Touri had a, a broken hand. So we were light even on the, the young boys making the bench up. So all things to be expected with the start eleven. In terms of the game, I don't think we could have got off to a better start, scoring the first goal in, in Scottish football for the 23-24 season. So I think started perfectly. Um, but after that we kind of just I, I had such a friendly feel about it. I, I just I couldn't get myself up for that game as a fan. I don't know what it was, and it just seemed, it seemed like it was the same on the park. Peterhead were no disrespect to them. I mean, they they actually played well. They came into the game, and it was there was periods of the game where they were actually looking better than us in the first half. Second half, where they, a lot of the ball weren't really doing too much with it. What I would say though might be the one of the worst debuts I've ever seen from Mercedes Williams, which was quite scary because I feel like all season we've kind of I know it's still early doors, but only in, in July we've still got another month for the window to go. But to me, it seems like we're sort of putting all of our eggs into Mercedes' basket, and he's a bit of a an unknown. It could be absolutely amazing for us. It could be absolutely horrible. And you need to remember that debut was against a League Two side, and there was times where I felt that they were sort of targeting him, um, trying putting balls down his channel and stuff. But at the end of the day, we we got the bonus point and. We got two points, which is good for the group. But I, I draw a way to Peter Head. You, you'd like to think that we would have went up and won that game. So, as David says, it was wasn't the best of performances. But at the end of the day, look at the lie of land after that day. You know, Dundee United lost to Spartans, uh, St Mirren lost to Montrose, and there was a, a couple other shocks from Premiership teams not picking up three points. So, 
these things happen in the group stages of the cup and, and since the group stages came in the league cup we actually seem to do really well and I think we've, we've progressed almost near enough every year so another decent start obviously when we come on to the Dungeon United game we'll talk about that in a minute but another good good enough start to the beginning of a league cup campaign Jamie what about you why was your taking the performance on Saturday yeah, pretty similar to what's already been said. I thought, yeah, we start obviously we started well, scoring early on, but then I think we kind of had a couple of half chances, a couple of balls across the box, and didn't take any of them. A couple of block shots, and then we just kind of fell out of the game and gave away, say, the cheap goal, stud, ball on the right hand side, easy ball in the box, and then yeah, it's just it's a cheap goal to give away. It's not one of the ones you want to be losing. And then in the second half, we didn't really have any sort of colour edge to us. I agree with what we saying. Had that kind of pre-season feel. Didn't really think there was a huge amount of intensity about our play at times, and I thought we sometimes struggled to get the more creative players involved, like Lawless. Since I think he got enough of the ball, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a fantastic game. Glad to have ticked it off in the away day list, but it's not one that I'll look back on and remember. Apart from the kind of crazy penalty shootout at the end, and I guess you could suppose you can say maybe that we got a bit of a let off with the penalty shootout with their goalkeeper hitting possibly the worst penalty I've ever seen out of the park. And uh, at least we got the bonus point. And that's all that matters. And I'm glad to say we followed it up and obviously we'll be talking about the Dundee United game soon. David, you said you didn't enjoy the game, but you're a, a sort of a football weirdo in the sense that you like the, the weird and unique things that happened. A penalty shout that went all the way through the, well, it was 10 players and then with Bannigan not taking one, to the goalkeepers, both goalkeepers missing. Uh, was that not right up your street on Saturday? Oh, absolutely. My uh, my life was suitably unfucking pressed at the fact that I watched a penalty shooter that just kept going and kept going. It just would never end. Oh, yeah, when we got to, like, we were like, oh my God, you might go through them all. And then Snedden stepped up, and you're like, Snedden might score a second a second goal here. But, I mean, he was really let off with the, the, the goalkeeper for Peter Head's goal was absolutely atrocious. But, I mean, I always wondered if they ever get goalkeepers to take penalties just to kind of just in case they need to take one in a shootout but you know I suppose we, we should have been doing that right? we've talked about that before it was it was a great and novelty to see us go go run the gamut and penalty shootout but yeah it was it was a weird penalty shootout but definitely I've never I've never seen it go that far it's definitely the longest we've ever had it and I think Jamie Snedden now stands as like our penalty shootout king He's saved more penalties than everyone else. It's quite mad. A, a, a good novelty. It's up there with the indirect free kick at Dumbarton. That is, uh, in terms of weird curios. I'll give Thistle Archive their weekly shout-out now. They tweeted after the game on Saturday that Jamie Snedden, with three out of three penalty shout-out wins, has the best success rate um, as a Partick Thistle goalkeeper overtakes Johnny Tuffy. Um, we'll talk about the Dundee United game before we go into individuals. Jamie, I'll start with you on this one. What did you think of last night's game? Yeah, I thought overall it was a good performance. First half was a bit mixed. You could say maybe started a little bit slow. They get into the game enough and the goal comes from, I know Reese already touched on, we see not having a great debut up Peter Head. And I thought in the first half he was pretty shaky at Tanner Dyson. Obviously the goal comes from his slack pass into the midfield and we lose the ball and then yeah, it's just a, it's a frustrating goal. I, I hate giving away a goal from a mistake. It's just it's always frustrating giving away avoidable goals. If you're cut open from really good player, it's a wonder strike or whatever. It's not as annoying, but goals from mistakes always annoy me. But I thought we responded well after the goal. I wouldn't say they really... I can't remember them having any more chances after that. I thought we kind of had the best of it. We missed one chance from Graham. But then, obviously, we know what he's like. Graham's always getting himself in these kind of positions. And Ben Williamson, who I thought was very tidy on his debut, thought he had a good game sets up Graham and puts it away in a half-time level, which is it's a bit of a relief after going one down. I thought in the second half we were a lot better. I thought Mercedes Williams had a much better second half. He was very good in the air and more composed, didn't look as shaky. And I thought you know, the young boys have to all get praised. Every single one of them was brilliant, but Ben Stanway, once again in midfield, I thought had a great performance and he's someone I'm, I'm very happy to think will be part of the first-team squad this season and actually hope we'll offer him a contract extension soon because his deal's up at the end of the season. So, a three-year deal similar to that of yeah, Xander and Fessy, I would be more than happy to see him get. But uh, yeah, the other youngsters that were playing as well, I thought did well, Xander McKenzie. I know he got the vibe playing man the match, I thought he was great. Again, a right back, even though that's maybe not his first choice position, I thought he was great there again. And James Lyon coming off the bench, and even Jai Stevenson coming off the bench, I thought they all they all put on a good shift. And it's good to see us 
go on and get the win. It's an important win to get, I think, it's a bit of a statement win. You could say, I know you can't read too much into these League Cup games, but going up against away to the team that's the favourites to win the title, and we've gone there and won in the first time we played them. And Yeah, it's always, it's always nice to get a win up there as well. It doesn't happen too often. So I was pleased with it at the end of the day, and it's put us in the best position to win the league. <laughs> win the league, win the group, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the young players were really impressive last night. I thought Xander McKenzie had a tough sort of opening half an hour to the game, but I thought it wasn't just him. I thought Thistle as a team had a sort of poor opening half hour. And then for the last hour, we were really good. And that McKenzie stood out and that Stanway was actually really good all the way through. Um, and Williams grew into the game as well. Um, after his, it was his fault for the, the opening goal. Reese, what was your take on the performance last night and who stood out for you? Completely agree with everything you guys have said. I mean, I thought I don't I don't think McKenzie had the the best starts like like you're saying. Uh, I think Scott McMahon was getting a lot of joy down the left hand side uh, and was kind of beating him for fun. But as the game grew on and obviously he grew into the game, as like you say, he's, he's playing at a position. He's 17. It was it actually became a really a really impressive performance. Like there was one in the second half. I'm, I'm sure you all remember the one where he just didn't give up. And there was times where it looked like it was the Dungeon player was going to get better of him, but it was like an absolute dog, and it wasn't. It was not giving that ball up for no money, and ended up winning the foul. And then that was brilliant. I love seeing stuff like that. Just from like the, the young guys that have came in. Obviously, Stanway, McKenzie, Lyon, Stevenson that came on. Like there's been times in the past where we've got young guys coming through the academy, and you just think to yourself, oh, please don't put him on. Like You really don't want to be putting him on in these games, even if it's just a minute or two at the end. But you look at like Stanway, full 90, McKenzie, the full 90, they look so assured and it's so good that we have these options there who, who are actually, right, they may not start for us in these positions this season, but you, you know that, that they're reliable now because Dundee United's probably they're up there with the best teams that we're going to face this season. That's that's one of our toughest tests to go to Tannadice and they've slotted in absolutely seamlessly and some of the better players on the park. So yeah, a very pleasing night. Um, like I said, I thought Ben Stanway was absolutely brilliant in the middle of the park uh, for the for the same reasons that I thought he was good against Peterhead. I think he just looks, he looks like he's played there for 10 years and he's, he's taken up Doc's sort of role seamlessly um, and it was good to see that up against Doc himself. As for the rest of the team, I did think we were actually really decent. Uh, I thought Fitzy was really good. Um, he sort of picked up where he left off in terms of the playoff, um, how he finished the season. He obviously got the assist at Peterhead, and I thought he had a really good game last night as well and um, was lively throughout. I, I was very pleased to see Dowd's taking out the starting 11. I know I feel like critical of him. I don't want to be on his back at the beginning of the season, but I didn't think he was, he was great against Peterhead. So I was pleased to see him get that goal, albeit ruled out, but even then, I feel like that will do a wee bit for his confidence. He, he did he did put himself about when he came on last night, but I was I was really impressed with Ben Williamson. Very good debut, obviously. Pro- probably never met the team before um, and, and came right into the starting 11. So I thought he was brilliant. Obviously registered his assist for Graham's goal. So he was all over the place and I think he'll be he'll be quite a key figure for us this season. So aye, it, was a, it was a good day at the office, like you've mentioned with Siri. Another very shaky start, but he grew into it and and that will only do well for his confidence. I know that Dundalk fans were saying they got better with every game. And, and let's just hope that's the case here as well. Get the mistakes out of the way early um, and, and be ready for the, the league campaign. But as I say, I'm sure we'll bring in other bodies to strengthen that position. But I, uh, I've, like, like I said last week, so I wasn't too confident going into the game. But I know that if, if we were to pick up a result, it would do wonders for our confidence. Because it's absolutely night and day how I'm feeling now going into the season after the game at Peterhead, I was thinking this, this could be a long, hard season. We go and beat uh, who's likely going to be the the main the favourites to win the league in Dundee United, and we've went out there with a not with a, a full complement, and we've went and, and beat them. So uh, I'm looking look, really looking forward to the season now, and I can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, I think you make a good point about Ben Williamson there, Reese. I want to give him a bit of praise for his assist. His assist, the reverse pass to Graham. If you watch that again. He doesn't even look up to see where Graham is. That's incredible considering, as you've said, he's probably not met the squad. And if he has, he's probably not trained with them. So that was an incredible assist to that sort of connection that he'd formed with Graham half an hour into his debut. That was brilliant. He looks he looks a handy player. David, what do you make of that Ben Williamson signing? Yeah, I have to agree. I think it is, it's one of those things where you, it's like, oh, Party physical sign Rangers low knee. You know it happens every season. It seems we have to a uh, quota to fill and, and boxes to tick every year. But I mean, yeah, he was really, really good. And as you say, that um, that passer Graham, you watch it back in highlights because obviously when you're in the ground, it looks great. But the the high the highlights make it looks so good on that. I thought he was really assured and strong. And listen to his Jags run interview afterwards, and 
I think he I think he didn't know he was coming until halfway through the afternoon. He said he woke up this uh, yesterday morning with like four missed calls asking him to come to come to Fahil. So it's incredible that he's been able to kind of just come on literally hours notice and bring out something like that. And for him, I mean, like to play with Brian Graham, I mean, that's the sort of thing when you're a young player, you're going to relish that, that opportunity to play with somebody of that stature, of that age, or somebody who has nous and knows, you know, what, what needs to be done to score goals. And it's a great opportunity for him to kind of just, you know, express himself. And I mean, on the basis of the, of the goal that Graham scored on Tuesday, he's definitely going to get to express himself in this team. And it's really, really encouraging. So I have high hopes for him. Um, in terms of high hopes, I mean, Stanway and McKenzie. I mean, Xander McKenzie got the fireplay man in the match. Uh, I thought he was really, really good. Stanway as well was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I think it's just it's really encouraging. But I think when we went in, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about this sort of generation of youth players coming through. And so for them to come through together, play together and be so well together is, is absolutely fantastic. And obviously, it's early days. But I mean, if they're already up and running, going to Tanavis and getting a result like that, you, you can you only have to think that, you know, with other players coming in and you know again someone like Wasiri maybe being a bit shaky. I mean, this might be the biggest stadium he's played in. I don't know if he actually played at the Vitality, but you know, I mean, like Tanavis is a big ground and Dundee United are a big team and like, in Ireland you're not not really got a club but the stature of Dundee United. So for him, that's a huge huge game. And yeah, it was a bit shaky at first, but he. he tightened up uh, with, with the rest of the team in the second half and they gave a great performance. I wasn't as high in the first half until we scored. I didn't think we were that great, but when we scored and you saw how shaky Dundee United themselves were and I think we just took advantage of it and it was, yeah, it was a, it was a great day out and a really great result. Exactly what we needed, something to show that I think a lot of people have maybe written us off and even our own fans maybe written us off in terms of you know, the skeletons crew that we have at the moment and going out and getting a result like that is absolutely fantastic. EP with the first listener question asked, who's going to break the British transfer record first, Ben Stanway or Xander McKenzie? Um, I'm, I'm going to go Xander McKenzie, I think. But then Stanway will come along and break it after us. Very good. I completely agree that the goal seemed to change the game. That Brian Graham equaliser changed the game completely. It seemed to give us a lot of confidence. The players who were nervy, like... Williams and McKenzie, I would say, um, settled right down and grew into the game after that goal and it settled us down as a team and we started playing some nice football after that in, in spells and it had the complete opposite effect on Dundee United who without looking brilliant, I'd say controlled the first half an hour but then for the last hour they offered nothing. Watching Dundee United last night reminded me a lot of watching us just after we get relegated in the 18-19 season. They have a lot of sort of decent players but they just do not look like a team at all. And the players who are decent just look so low in confidence. Um, so long may that continue. Sticking on the theme of the, the young players, Reese, I'll come to you with this one. Well, Darren Wiseman and Alan McMillan have actually both asked similar questions. Darren asked, is it down to Chris Doolin or is it down to the finances that we're actually seeing some of these young players this season? And Alan's asked, does this show that we're maybe guilty of not playing youngsters in the recent past? I know we had we criticised Dean McCall a little bit for never playing youngsters, but uh, what do you make of those two questions from Darren and Alan? Well, I think it's a case of needs must at the moment. We don't really have any other option. If, if Ross Docherty was still playing and Kyle Turner was still in our squad, they'd have played. So it's not necessarily due to, right, we're starting to blend these boys in. It's it's more of the case of we ha- we actually have to. We don't have any other option. And they're taking it with open arms. And um, the boys that are coming in, they're, they're doing themselves no harm by the, the performances that they're putting in. So this, like, like James said, this really at the end of the day the League Cup is really good for us because it gives these guys a chance that could have went one or two ways last night we could have went and Ben Stanway and McKenzie they could have been ran over the top and we could have we could have lost quite heavily and it sort of puts them way down the pecking order but now you're looking at things going right Jack McMillan's been our player of the year now I do think Jack McMillan will come back in but Dylan has a decision to make Xander McKenzie's been good in the last two games are you going to throw McMillan straight back in are you going to ease McMillan back in and same goes for any midfielder that's going to be signed now, because Ben Stanway's been good in these first two games. Are you going to just go out and drop him for whoever you bring in? So the, these guys have put themselves in a right good position to to hold down a place, and it's it's now up to them to to keep that position um, up until 
these new players come in or they come back from injury, it's your position to to lose sort of thing. So I don't necessarily think it's down to Doolan coming in that we're playing these guys, but I, I think that, that, that Doolan is a fan of playing the young boys and, and and hopefully we continue to see this and this this sort of progression of the youth players will continue to happen. Um, in the academy, you know, you look at some of the guys that are playing well for the the 18s at the moment. Obviously, we've we've signed um, Diak, Toure, and Taggart down to uh, apprenticeships, so they'll come on. You'll start seeing more of them as well. Like you mentioned, James Lyon, Jay Stevenson as well. Credit to them because they were both brilliant when they came on. And you also have other guys coming through, like that have been mentioned in the past, like Eddie McGinley has been linked with with Swansea, Watford, and plays with Scotland. Like he's meant to be a star boy, and and he's in the academy as well. So I'm sure we'll be seeing plenty more of these guys in the future. So. Uh, long may it continue, and I hope that the the next crop are just as good. So, uh, it's it, it's it's always promising to have young guys that you know are more than capable of coming in and playing in the first team. Because how many times have we seen it before? Like the guys that coming through, and you just think to yourself, you look at the loans that we're getting them. Like we were punting guys, like not not to mention any names, but like even even gospel last last couple of years, we were, we were punting him to Galaferry Dean and. Um, and, and teams like that and they'll beat a red star whatever whatever they're called for like four seasons in a row like that was that is not helping that player whereas the likes of Stanway went to Airdrie got promotion you know that he's capable of playing in League One for that Airdrie side so to come in I mean he's still 18 himself like I was really impressed with him and, and like I say here's, here's hoping it carries on yeah, in terms of Darren's question about is it is it Doolin or is it necessity, I think I agree with you, Reese. it is necessity because we didn't really see them last season, but I think Doolin deserves credit because he's obviously created an environment where the young players feel confident, they feel comfortable and they're set up to give to give good performances. David, I'll bring you in there because I'm going to ask you another listener question, but you can you can chip in with your thoughts on the youth. But Vinny's asked as a, as a praise Chris Doolin, have we actually stumbled upon a genuine football manager genius? Absolutely. I mean, he's going to have two of his players, you know, break British transfer record. You have to give him some sort of credit for that. But um, I think one thing that is maybe quite important in this is that I know he wasn't there that long, maybe what, like six months or whatever, but he was managing this team in the under-18s. He was part of the youth setup, So he had experience of it before he took the reins over from the call. So it's not like... I think maybe we we would be we we could be accused of neglecting uh, players in the past because they've not got that one on one relationship with them that maybe McCall did not have with the under 18s He'd go and watch a game or two or whatever, but that was really about it. Whereas Dolan was you know day in day out with them for training and stuff like that, and he'll have a good scope of what they can do. And Dolan has a sort of one track mindset with these sort of things and. Um, I think that he's had time to stew over it and think about how this player can play in the system that he's using and he's given them the opportunity and they're absolutely running with it and I think that coming up from that youth team and having so many of those players there and being able to put them in, it's absolutely fantastic but I mean the thing is, is that with our academy this might be one of the, the last great crops that we have I mean we've had people, we've sort of like Cammy Cooper Rangers and stuff like that, you've got people like Aidan McGinley who are you know, in, in at the moment. But I mean, the, the, the academy put out recently that, you know, it's not for certain that it's going to keep going at the standard it is. And we've had people who've came through and made a name for themselves in Scottish football or, you know, have been sold on to teams like Rangers or Celtic or down south or whatever. We've got a crop of players here who are doing really, really well. And I think as much as it is necessity, I think the, the, it's good that the person who has to combat this necessity is also the person who spent a lot of time one-on-one with him when he was the youth coach. Jamie, I'm going to come to you for a chat about Waziri Williams. I know we've, we've touched on his performances. Last night at Tanadice, he's obviously at fault for the, the opening goal. The, his performance last night sort of reminded me of some of Darren Brownlee's high-profile mistakes last season in the sense where he's making the mistake of giving the ball away. But I don't think he was getting bullied in the game, especially especially in the second half. I thought he stood up to a lot of things really well. And if you're going to be sort of suspect at something for a centre-back, I think if you make a high-profile error like Williams last night, giving the ball away, like Brownlee did last season, that's a, an easier place to recover from than if you're not doing the basics right. So what have you made of Williams so far? And are you, are you confident that he's going to be a starting centre-back in the league campaign? Yeah, I definitely think he will be the starting centre-back in the league campaign. Because even in the post-match when Dylan mentioned last night, he was like he acknowledged that Williams had made the mistake, but he said that 
he puts hands up to it and that's what he wants from characters. He wants people that will admit to their errors and keep learning. So I don't think he's going to be dropping him because of some shaky cut performances. I think he will be going into the league campaign as our starting centre-back alongside Muirhead. Yeah, like we touched on earlier, I think I don't think he was great at Peterhead away. He was, I don't know, I thought maybe he was a wee bit of pace behind the game. Also lofted a couple of aimless balls up the park. And that happened like four times at least, I think. And yeah, the first half against Dundee United, again, I'd say maybe he was a wee bit behind the pace of the game. And obviously he makes the, the obvious error given the ball away, which we lose a goal from. But in the second half, he improved a lot and the fair good in the air and looked a lot more composed. But like you said, Matt, it's not really like he's making tons of defensive errors. It's not like he's out of position and or like you know swinging in and making like stupid fills or whatever stuff like that. He's not really getting done all the time by wingers or strikers or whatever. That's not the problem. It's just stupid misplaced passes, stuff like that, and poor long balls. And like you said, maybe similar to like Brownlee last season, we did that once or twice of misplaced passes and gave balls away. And it's kind of the thing that you can maybe cut out your game a bit easier than defensive errors. If you're constantly getting done for pace or something, it's kind of hard to improve that. But if it's stupid misplaced passes, then I think you can learn from that. Player for that, I always look to is Aaron Muirhead. You don't see Muirhead give the ball away, costing us goals very often. He's a very just-do-your-job defender. He just gets rid of the ball if he has to. He doesn't take unnecessary risks very often. And I think that's the kind of thing that maybe we see we can learn off Muirhead, that you don't always need to try play past the midfield. Sometimes you can just get the ball at the park if you have to. And I know I was complaining about endless long balls earlier, but I just mean in certain situations you can maybe learn off Muirhead in that, in that respect. But it's very easy to give a rash judgment on him. It's only been two matches and I'm sure you'll grow into it a bit more with time to come and I hope he gets better. Definitely. No, I agree with you on, on your assessment of Williams there, Jamie. Um, and I think Muirhead deserves a bit of credit. He was really good last night, even when we were under a lot of pressure in the opening half hour. He stood up to quite a lot of things really well. I thought Muirhead, sometimes because under the radar at the back, um, I know he's not the, the complete centre-back, but he is a, a very important, he's turned into a very important player for us and I thought he was really good last night. Reese Ian from the from the Sublime Fanzine has asked, should we send flowers and condolences to Doc and Holt? Uh, what's your response to that? And what did you think of the reception that those two players got last night from the official fans? Hi. Do uh, you know what I mean? There's no love lost, to be honest. Um, it's kind of what I expected. I know some people were saying, oh, they're not going to... They're not going to boo them. They're actually going to applaud them onto the park and stuff. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I just think that, from my opinion anyway, you know, it's a job at the end of the day. They, they're not official fans. They're getting better money to go and do the exact same job. They're playing in the championship still. There's no, there's no real progression. I, they might have went to a, a bigger club. They might be in a bit more money. But at the end of the day, they were, they were great servants for us. Um, I don't see them as any more than that. And. I don't really care too much about them anymore. Once they've left Fissel, it is what it is. Um, it was good to see them on the losing side, and, and I, I, for one, I won't sit and clap them. Um, so I, I was, I was quite happy to see them getting it, getting it tight. So, aye. and Kevin Holt especially. Kevin Holt was getting the brunt of it just because I think it's easier to accommodate his name into the songs. But I, good to see them both on the receiving end of a few pelters and. I'm both on the losing side and Dundee United fans firmly on their back after two games, so all things are looking very well. In terms of Ian's question, I'd definitely like to send him some flowers and as you said, he's definitely not applauding them onto the pitch. I'm, I'm all up for booing them. Uh, I think booing is part of the pantomime. I'm not too keen on like calling them wankers and stuff. I, don't, I, don't, I think that was a bit much. Um, they, they didn't sign pre-contracts. They, they were very professional at the end, but uh, I'd maybe draw the line after Boone, but maybe I'm just getting a bit, bit fair weather in my, my older age. David, do you want to come in there? I was going to ask, didn't Brian Graham get booed by Dundee United as well? Oh, he like, gets booed by everyone. Ah, that is true. Aye, that, that's, it's par for the course for him. It's just kind of, it's, it goes to the territory. But no, I mean, I didn't boo them, but I no. don't think you shouldn't boo them. I think yeah, it's no, just, I'm with you. It's like it's like when we had Robbie on last week and like all the Falkirk fans booed us after we literally saved their club from being liquidated. It's it's part and parcel of being in a, in Scottish football. It's I would absolutely expect to be booed if I had done the same thing, and I'd probably cut the ears as well um, yeah. and just wind up with the squad. It's you know you give the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And you just need to go with it. I think I think there is a difference though between booing somebody and singing that somebody's a wanker though, especially when like Do- well Docker especially did a lot for for Jags for good and 
it sort of devalues it when you get like an actual wanker comeback um, who's maybe left under a cloud. And if, if you sing it, everybody who leaves it sort of devalues it, but maybe that's just me. Anyway, David, I'll ask you the last question and maybe the most important question about the Dundee United game. What have you made of Michael the Lama's appearances this season? He already a Jags icon. I didn't know his name was Michael. Do we know why he's called Michael? Uh, no, I just saw the Thistle Archive call him Michael. So I've, is he, I've, is I've he got, has he got a wiki? <laughs> is it all the games I don't know if he's got it? an entry yet. We'll need to get him as a trialist to get him an entry. Absolutely. Um, I, I, Michael's a good llama name. I like it. I'm, I'm a big fan of like naming animals after like human names. I'm not oh, yes. into this spot yes. the dog and anything like that. That's nonsense. Like you know, have a bit of imagination. Um, I've seen him um a couple of times already, and yeah, it's. I mean, nobody knows why it's there. Nobody really cares why it's there, but it is. I remember when it was going by, we were sitting in the stands at Peterhead. And then there's like, why is there a llama here? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, it's just, just go with it. Um, but yeah, um, I hope, I hope it, it's there throughout the season. It's the new Jags Buller, and we need to reunite the two of them, um, get them together at some point. But yeah, um, no, big fan of Michael the Llama. Um, it's going to be great. Someone's going to definitely invade the pitch when we win the league with, with him running their waist. So it'll be great fun. Um, get get him. Who who do you want? What player do you want to like wear Michael the Lama? Like when we win the league title, like who's who's going to be wearing that? Is it Bannigan? I feel Bannigan. Yeah. Get yeah, good That has, has to be. But yeah, but no. All all things said, cr- uncritical support for Michael the Lama. Yeah, Michael, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the pod. <laughs> uh, we'll look ahead now to the Falkirk game. This is a good chance to plug our bonus episode last week, which myself and David recorded with Robbie Copeland, who is a Falkirk fan and journalist. Uh, and we spoke about recent meetings between the two teams and best and worst players to play for both teams. So you can check that out once you finish listening to this episode. Jamie, what are you expecting from the Falkirk game at Hill on Saturday? Yeah, I think that we'll go for a pretty similar lineup to, if not the exact same as played the Dundee United game. It's a game that, if we win that, the group's pretty much in our hand, given the fact Spartans have lost the game now. So I think we'll be going into it, not looking to treat it as a pre-season friendly. We're looking to go in there and make sure that we top this group and get through. And if we get through, obviously, it increases Chris Dolan's budget for the rest of the window, so I don't think he'd be against that at all. So... I expect to take it seriously, pick a similar team and maybe regardless of any injuries or potential new signings coming in, I'd like to hope they've got at least one, maybe two new signings in before then because we are still a bit light on bodies in the squad. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it regardless. Reese, are you expecting any changes? If Jack McMillan's fit, where do you see Xander McKenzie moving to, if at all, and maybe Scott Robinson back in, back in the squad? I am just been preparing my Ross McKeever, you know, I've just been preparing that over the couple of days, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think Jack McMillan will come back in just because he was a player of the year last year, but it's, it's so harsh to drop Xander McKenzie, so I, I don't know, I don't know. Are, are we going to have a few more midfielders in for then as well, a couple more bodies? Likely, if you're, if you're going by what Dylan's saying in the papers and, and the word that's going about, we might have a We'll probably have a couple of signings in before this podcast actually comes out, but I, I'm not too sure. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to see Ben Stanway keep his place, um, and probably you'd, you'd think you, if not, then Sander McKenzie might move into the middle. But I, it's going to be pretty much similar. I do think it'll be a pretty competitive game. You know, obviously Falkirk, they'll they'll be backing themselves this season to go and win League One, and they'll they'll probably like the look of their squad. So I uh, it should be an interesting game, and and what I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to getting back to Firhill. It's always good to get back for the first game, of the the first time you're back at for how of each season. It's always a nice nice atmosphere. Good to be home. So yeah, looking forward to it. David, all eight of us are off to an absolute flyer in the predictions table. Nobody predicted a drop to your head. Nobody predicted a thistle win at Tanadice. Do you want to kick us off for a score prediction at for how on Saturday? Oh, Jesus. Um, I'm looking forward to this game because again, it's the first game back at for how I think Falkirk, as we says, are probably eyeing themselves up for the League One title. Built a team to try and win that. But I mean, Ben Stanway was part of the Airdrie team that beat them 42-0 in the playoffs. So, you know, there's a lot of factors going into it. I think it'll be a good game. I'm far more confident after the Dundee United game, strangely, um, which I wasn't in the first half. So I'm going to say I'm going to say 2-0 Thistle. Jamie, I'll come to you next for a score. Uh, yeah, much the same. I'm going to say 2-0 Thistle as well. I think it will be 
a comfortable win. I think Falkirk will maybe have one or two chances early on, but again, we'll settle into the game and we'll win comfortably in the end, so we go 2 0 first. Reese? Yeah, similar to what, what David was saying. If you asked me after the Peterhead game, I'd have probably backed Falkirk, but after last night, I think we'll go all the way and win the league again. So I, um, I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and say. Uh, 2-1 Jags. I think Falkirk will pull a goal, get a goal in about the game and it'll be it'll be competitive. So I right, 2-1 Thistle. I'm going to go 3-2 Thistle. I think it'll be quite an open game. I think now that Dundee United, I think they maybe mathematically can't qualify. I think the group's quite open. So I think Falkirk might come and have a goal. We're not looking watertight defensively. Uh, but I think we'll be confident. I think it'll be a, a sort of open end-to-end game and I think we'll come out on top just with the quality we've got in the final third. So I'll go 3-2 Thistle. Before we move on to have a, a chat about Monday's quiz and Partridge Thistle, we had a really nice message this week from Alfred Archer on Facebook. He got in touch and said he's a, he's a huge fan of the pod. He used to be a season ticket holder at Thistle, but he moved to the Netherlands eight years ago to work as a philosophy lecturer. And listening to the pod helps him keep in touch with the club. He's recently written a book about sports fandom and he's, he's mentioned Thistle in it a fair bit. If you're interested in that, if that sounds like it, it could be your thing, it's called Why It's Okay to Be a Sports Fan, and it's available to, to buy. And currently on the website, there's 20% off if you're interested in that. So we'll, we'll link that when we tweet and put the episode out on Facebook, hopefully on Thursday. So thank you, Alfred, if you're listening. And um, give Alfred a shout if you do end up buying that book. It sounds very interesting, and I've ordered my copy today. David, we had a, an excellent night on Monday night. Recent Jamie joined us um, at the Three Cross for our quiz night. What did you think of it? Did you have a did you have a good time? It was a fantastic night out. I'm not going to lie. I spent my entire adult life putting on gigs and events and stuff like that, and six people turning up, um, and then just losing lots of money. So um, for lots of like 28 teams we got is unbelievable. Loads of Thistle fans there, obviously. My, my friends uh, Scott Barber and a bunch of other people around the metal came along because they wanted a pub quiz that night and. Yeah, it was just it was just really nice seeing everybody turn up and the amount of money we would raise was ridiculous. Like over one thousand two hundred pounds raised for Jags for good and it's a, a great fun night. I, I, my wife, me and my wife are big into quiz nights and we never really get the chance to go anymore. So I, we were just absolutely delighted to get out and do a quiz night. And um, thankfully there was no chicanery whatsoever and it was just it, no. It just so it just so happened that I ended up with a. Dermaplaning session. You, your wife won hospitality. Your mum won perfume, and Heather won about four prizes and had to give two of them back. So you know, <laughs> everything completely above board and nothing to investigate there. But um, yeah, a good night. I really enjoyed it. We'll move quickly on from that. Uh, we need to thank Neil Cowan for for sort of organising the venue. We need to thank Three Cross as well. They were excellent hosts. I'd never been in Three Cross, David, and I, I know you said you've you've spent your adult life organising gigs. At you've spoken about. A few of the gigs you've done and when I walked into Three Cross I was expecting a sort of just a pub and it was like a carvery setting with really bright lights in a huge room and as soon as I walked in I was like oh David will be shitting himself man he has only ever played to crowds in the pitch black people are going to be able to see him um, but, but thank you to the Three Cross they were excellent hosts and thank you to everybody who turned up and donated we, we raised over £1,200 for Jags for Good Season Ticket Fund uh, fundraiser so that, that was an excellent effort through the, the quiz and through the raffle so thank you very much to everyone and congratulations to Mahid's Buzzled the winning team who won it in a, in a tiebreaker we're going to speak about that tiebreaker in a little minute David you had a team Jamie you had a team and Reese, you had a team who out of the three you finished the highest in the quiz? I think it was me. I think we were fifth. Right. Yeah, I think so. Cause, I, cause when you're reading out the scores, I was waiting to be t- waiting to be announced, and you just kept not getting announced. And I'm like, Christ <laughs> sake, like what what's going on here? I've, there was a moment where I was like, we've won this, we've won this whole thing. How have we done this? This isn't great. And then you announced us like fifth. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it, I think they all placed higher than a uh, the synagogue six with their ringer, ninth best quiz on Europe. And then he realised <laughs> he can't do music rounds, and they absolutely <laughs> fucked it and came like fourteenth. Um, so I, but, um, no, I think we were fifth. I the music rounds, the music rounds in any always kill me. Um, so I, uh, we we struggled with that. My team, so my team ended up. It was there was like seven years in total, so we ended up having to split into two, two groups. So it was me and my pal Robbie, and both our girlfriends. We were in a, a team of four and three mother mates. So really, we were having just a wee, 
a game amongst ourselves. We just didn't want to finish bottom. So my, my other group, my three mates, they finished second bottom overall. But we done all right because see when it came to like the picture round and stuff, I was carrying at that point, man. I, I was I done we I, we got the one that was eighteen out of twenty. So in that round, um, we done we done pretty well and it salvaged a few points. I think we ended up finishing 41, 42 points. So a small a small victory to be had there. But um, I'll be I'll be picking a, a an All Stars team for my for my next quiz entry. Hey, that picture run you scored 18 out of 20 and that's available on on twitter and instagram if if anyone's listening who didn't make the quiz once have a go jamie how did your team go uh, it was just me and my flatmate it was just the two of us so i was having to defend myself from the chat and wax said my team did shite i was like we finished on 43 points and i was like you know what for the two of us that's that's pretty decent show and i'll take it but um yeah the music round was the one that killed us as well we did absolutely terrible in the music rounds the picture rounds was a bit of a saving grace to got us kind of did stat pad us a little bit i think that one kind of got us back into it i think we got 16 or 17 in that and yeah the, the other rounds we all did we just kind of did average in all the other ones but yeah the music round was definitely the one that we did worse than but it was a it's a really good quiz and i think the fact that no one scored really high showed it wasn't like a super easy quiz which was good but I, I don't know. Music, I feel music rounds. Music rounds either you're good at them in pub quizzes or you're not. Cause it's never like easy pop songs that everyone knows. It's always a bit more obscure and it's kind of harder to get. So I'm not too fast. I always do bad music rounds pub quizzes. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one whenever it is. And like Reese, I'm gonna be uh, expanding the team. It won't just be the two of us. It'll be me and my flatmate again. But I'm sure we'll get the rest of the people I usually go at pub quiz with and try to get them along. And one of my mates is like unreal at pub quizzes for some reason. So I'm hoping he's back for it. I felt like such a sick man, Jamie. The winning score was 51 out of 90. Oh, it was a proper US Open setup. You, you love to see it. I felt like such a sick think, man when I got in. You know how you're saying it's like no fiscal knowledge isn't a barrier to winning? I'm pretty sure if you like didn't get any of the fiscal questions, you'd have still won by like 14 points. So, yeah, yeah I, I, right, you would have loved uh, me and uh, your mum, Matt, sitting there on the picture round as I'm going, who was our centre-back in the top six season? I can't remember. And she's going, I don't know. Was it the top six season? I don't know. The strip. She, I knew the season. She knew the players, but we couldn't figure out and just try to decide. And everyone we went for was the other one. It was uh, <laughs> infuriating. But yeah, just sitting there. Just, you know that way where you just completely have a blank and you can't remember who our striker was? during like like 10 seasons and you're like oh shit <laughs> who, I'll tell you what that, in nine? the picture round that did not look like Pierre Capaldi it was Pierre Capaldi and local hero so a, a very young Pierre Capaldi like, so I've given away one of the answers if uh, nobody's done it um, but, do you know I, I was like I, I was like I said to you I was scribbling through the, the Matt Greer archives I was like, <laughs> like Matt has done this quiz and I was like that looks the faintest bit like Peter Capaldi, so I'm just going to put my life savings on that being Peter Capaldi in it. Same clutch. Me, uh, Alison and Duncan and Ali were sitting there going, right, we know Matt. What is Matt like? He's already had a Jaws question. He's already had a Doctor Who question. What else does he like? 9-11, alligators, all, I'm going through it just to try and figure out what the next questions will be. And I think one of them goes, He'll have a 9-11 question and then sure enough, the next one was about 9-11. Yeah, was... I'd like to state for the record, I don't like 9-11. That's an important clarification. <laughs> we know, <laughs> that's not... you, the 9-11 question. Like, I was like, I said to flatmate, I was like, he'll put a 9-11 question, this is going to be one. And then my other flatmate told us, when I said this, he said, oh yeah, by the way, the plane took off from Boston in case he asks that. And then that was the one you asked. Wow. I was like, no, you couldn't write it. You could write. That's the only piece, of, only piece of information you told us, and that was the one you asked. So, perfect. When I'm writing these quizzes, like, I feel like if the winning score is like seventy percent, I feel like that's quite a fair quiz. You're always wanting to put like a few in that everyone can get, just to sort of boost morale, like a drivable par four. But uh, it was a proper US Open setup, fifty-one out of ninety-one in it. We'll move on because it did end with a tiebreak, which friend of the show Mark Wallace took part in. He was in the runner-up team. I would honestly have rather finished last than finished second in this quiz and did what Mark did and suggested that Cadbury's only sold 70,000 cream eggs in a year. That was his answer to the, the tiebreaker question. So he was just just outed. The, the other guess was low. It was 30 million was the guess from the other team uh, when in fact Cadbury sell 500 million cream eggs, half a billion cream eggs a year. So Mark, just the, the 499 million 930,000 out. Uh, so, so that leads us to Patrick's Thistle, which is what is the worst answer you have ever given in a quiz? 
David, I'll probably leave you to last. Every so start with you on this one. What's the worst answer you've ever given in a quiz? Or being somebody and your team is given? Oh, wait, I actually don't know. I don't enter too many pub quizzes, which is the good thing about the other night because I do enjoy a pub quiz, but I don't get a chance to enter that many. Um, I don't I don't necessarily really go to the pub too often. I don't really have a local pub or anything, which was, ended up being brilliant, obviously, getting to see so many people that... Obviously, not everyone's there because of the pod. A lot of people are just Thistle fans that are raising money for Jags for good. But it's good to see that there is people out there that, that enjoy the pod and they were coming up saying, oh, I love listening to it and stuff. So that's good because I remember saying to you before, see if there was one person listening to this podcast, I'd still be on here every week talking mints because at the end of the day, I've talked about Thistle. So it's easy knowing that there's people out there who are going to come to events and stuff like that. It was it was really nice to see. And uh, it, was, it was good to put some like, some faces to the names and stuff that that will write on the the comment section, but I don't actually have an answer for this. So uh, starting the season, uh, as as I always do, we're an absolute flop when it comes to Partridge Fistle. But the worst, absolutely the worst quiz answer that I've ever heard was from Mark Wallace. So absolute shocker! I can't believe it. I mean, you see how many they say seventy thousand. I see seventy thousand cremates when I walk into any petrol station line. There. <laughs> so, shocker. We'll let you away with your, your lack of answers because he said some nice things. It was very nice to to see lots of people there. And I, I stuck the Mason McCready question in because we spoke about it a few weeks ago. I was delighted that so many people got that right. Um, so we must have some listeners on, out there. Jamie, what about you? You're a regular pub quizzer. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of something that we did really bad. There's one that I remember. It's not even that bad an answer just because the quiz master called us out on it, like through the mic. That it wasn't it's hardly a criminal answer, but it was who played the cat in the hat. We put Johnny Depp, and like he like grabbed the mic and he was like, "It wasn't Johnny Depp. It was Mike Myers. You should know this." And we were all just we were just sitting there like, "Sorry." But I just that just sticks in my head. It's not even that bad an answer, but I just remember the quizmaster was not happy for us getting that wrong. Oh, I don't was know the quizmaster Michael Myers? The quizmaster was not Mike Myers. No, if 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 Mike Myers had been the quizmaster. If I'd gone into pub and I saw Austin Powers with a mic, I'd not know what I would have done. But yeah, we probably give, I think we've given some stupid geography ones in the past. We've like, I swear there was somewhere that we said was in Europe that wasn't. It was got called out as well. So uh, there's there's a couple of stupid ones we've given over the years, but that one just sticks in my head just because we got properly like properly called out on it by the quizmaster. But similar to what Reese was saying about the cross quiz, it was good seeing a lot of people and people who listened to the podcast and that. I don't really had many conversations with people about the podcast, but I don't. I feel people don't know what I look like as well. Even though if they listen, they just don't can't believe my face to my voice. But I. Or do you think you're Chris Dolby? Chris, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I've not had that in a while, so maybe not. Maybe not these days. I feel maybe that was more of a lockdown fi- fixture because you always heard that on the streams, and then you'd hear me droning on on here in my monotone, monotone voice as well. Maybe maybe that's why. But yeah, it was good to see such a good turnout, and definitely should do another one, Matt. Let's see if you can get it in months. I'd, I'd love to see how that right. the logistic the logistics of that. Especially if it's a Christmas quiz, because how are you using the beer garden at Christmas? Easily. Outdoor oh. heaters. We would nah, we nah, do nah. have we are very keen on doing another quiz, uh, hopefully sometime this year, if you missed out or if you enjoyed it on, on Monday. So we're, we're hopefully doing another one. Um David, I'm I'm hoping you can rescue this section in, in Partridge Thistle terms. What's the worst answer you've given in a quiz? I'd really, really struggled at this for a while. Um, and then just as we were coming on, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie, you were saying that you felt like a sick, sick man when you saw it at the high school fifth one. I felt like a sick, sick man when I see Mark Wallace stroll up, ready to win Chris Dillon's boots. And I was like, he's going to win this, he's going to win this. And then he said it. And I had to compose myself and just remain stoic because I was like, this is the perfect ending. We couldn't have had anything better than this. Absolutely incredible. Um, and you heard the audible groan in the crowd as he said it. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. But it reminded me of my own um, quiz moment. I entered a Simpsons quiz in Nice and Sleazy's and seasons one to nine Simpsons quiz. Now, anyone who's met me for more than 10 minutes knows I am utterly obsessed with season one to nine Simpsons quiz and know it in and out and can quote pretty much any line and have done so for my entire adult life. And we went to me and my friend George from the Pure Brie podcast. We went to Sleazy to the Simpsons quiz and we got a perfect score in every round until the final round. Completely steamrolled everyone. Like we had won it. Hands were on the trophy. 
And the final round was, if you answer and get it right, you get 10 points. If you answer and get it wrong, you lose 10 points. And if you don't answer, you don't get anything. And um, the question was, what is Jimbo Jones's real name? Do, do you know what Jimbo Jones's real name is? No. It's it's Corky, right? right. And it was a multiple choice question. One was Corky, and I was like, I think it's Corky, but I didn't know for sure. And usually I'm a, I either know it or I don't know it. So if I don't know it, that's so quiz questions. I usually don't give bad answers because I either just don't know it or, or I know it, if you know what I mean. And uh, I was like, I think it's Corky, and I was indecisive, and we chose another one and lost by like one point because we'd lost the points and they got them all. And um, I've not like, oh, it was horrific. I could I couldn't believe it when it happened. It was just horrendous. Like, so I don't think I'll ever be worse than that. I could have absolutely shit the bed yesterday and it would have been fine because it's never going to be the Simpsons Sleazy's quiz. An absolute horrendous night. Um, yeah, I'll never get over it. Um, just before we finish, I don't think anyone really likes golf here. Anyone get any picks for the Open? Heather's away on holiday this week, so we can't have a golf chat at the end. Is Colin Montgomery still kicking about? Um, eh, not in this Open Championship, no. <laughs> Rory McIlroy won the Scottish Open, didn't he? He sure did, David. That's, uh, that's hot knowledge. It is, it is indeed, because uh, I looked on, see, oh, I wonder who won the Scottish Open, because Matt's like, fucking hell, did Rory McIlroy win it? What the hell? So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go Rory McIlroy again, and then I can get the question wrong in the quiz in 10 years about who won the Scottish Open when it was at Royal Liverpool. Burkdale. Sure, David. That, yeah. uh, not Burkdale, no. Burkdale, Royal Liverpool. Royal Liverpool, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm looking forward to getting that wrong in 10 years. If we're, do- if we're still doing the pod in 10 years and doing quizzes, God Fuck, help us. yeah, no. Uh, I know I've got a few golf fans in the listenership. Uh, Victor Hovland's my pick this week. Obviously, Jordan Spieth as well. Spieth's not in form. We've obviously got a, a pound bet on Spieth for uh, you know the emotional support. But Victor Hovland's the pick. And uh, do get in touch with some golf chat uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, I'll be watching and tweeting. If you've made it this far into the podcast, thank you very much. We will be back next week to look back on the Falkirk game and ahead to the Spartans game and hopefully have a few more signings to discuss uh, by then as well. Rhys, Jamie, David and James earlier on, thank you very much for joining us. And in the meantime, stay safe, buy a season ticket.